Ladies and gentlemen, citizens of the universe, fantasy footballers, Dynasty League dirtballs, NFL draft fans, and DFS degenerates worldwide, this is the Roster Watch Podcast, presented by RosterWatch.com. Roster Watch Nation, prepare for pop, flash, and sizzle. Prepare for knowledge bombs and cockamamie business. The Roster Watch crew is here to deliver the goods you can't find anywhere else. Here is your host, RosterWatch.com Editor-in-Chief, Alex Dunlap. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by RosterWatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, joined today on the phone, on the road, on the maniacal RosterWatch.com training camp tour is Byron Lambert. Byron, what's going on, brother? I am driving a silver full-size Chevy van. <laughs> I saw uh, I saw that. Napa Valley. Why did you get a van? Why did you get a van? Well, Trying to, try to stay on time and under budget for Roster Watch Nation. Is it, but it, but it, I thought that bigger cars costed more. Somehow it was forty two dollars a day for this van. I mean, you know how it is. It's criminal the way that they show you the daily price, and then you get there and the taxes and the fees or something astronomical. But this was by far just the cheapest option, and I needed to get out of Santa Clara first thing this morning in order to make it to Napa for this 11 a.m. practice, which it looks like I'm on track for. But you know how it is, man. Everything's a give and take in life. You go for this cheap van option. You get there in the morning. The place doesn't open until 8. They're real shitty about their customer service. <laughs> and they tell you that. Then they tell you they didn't get their or- your order till 3.30 a.m. last night and so that they don't actually have the van that you were supposed to be getting. And then after a bunch of haggling, you wait around about 45 minutes, you finally, you finally get something to drive out of them. You didn't, you didn't get it from, from budget again, did you? We've boycotted them forever, right? Uh-huh. Oh, this one, this one was even more swift. <laughs> a, a v, AVR van rental. Oh, at the San, Jose, <laughs> <laughs> the San Jose Airport. Supposed to be forty-two dollars a day for a minivan. Turns out all they had was a full-size van, and they gave me an extra ten percent off. No, well, it's, it's just it's just Byron rolling down the rolling down the Napa Valley for tra- for Raiders training camp there in a full-size van. He's coming from Santa Clara, of course. Uh, San Francisco 49ers camp. We'll get into that. First off, I want to ask you, you're going to be in Napa for one night. You got any plans for the evening? You going to any wineries? What what time do you get out of there? I don't have any plans. Just kind of focused on getting to camp. Kind of focused on always just making it to the next thing when you're out on one of these uh, tours like this to gather intelligence. And uh, I don't know. My, my hope is just to get out of... Uh, practice find a good express deal on Priceline, and post up somewhere with a good view maybe get out for a good glass of wine this evening yeah well whenever you do make sure and text me i'll give you all the napa recommendations you know me and the wife love it ever since we've had kids it's been impossible to make it out i cannot wait till the second one gets here and we're all done having kids and we can just you know it's that point just drop them off with their grandmother 
and get back out to Napa because I certainly miss it. I'm certainly jealous. I cannot wait till next year whenever I'll be going with all you guys to all these stops instead of having to stay here and hold down the fort for roster watch. And while I'm talking about taking care of business, uh, taking care of housekeeping, just a quick reminder, please give the podcast a five-star rating and a five-star review in iTunes. Uh, the, the draft cheat sheet is up right now. We're going to be giving away from some uh, free roster watch pro memberships through the course of this week. We're going to have a whole lot of content, a whole lot of extra podcasts as we have trash man uh, traveling from uh, training camp to training camp. We have Byron traveling from training camp to training camp. I'm going to try and touch up with these guys almost every day. So we're just completely up to date as these draft boards continue to form the ADPs continue to form. And as we keep on, you know, giving updates to the magical, the mystical, the magical rosterwatch.com cheat sheets available to our pro members at rosterwatch.com. So please give the podcast five stars. Give it a good review if you like what we're doing this week and like and want us to keep continue doing this kind of thing moving forward. Okay, so Byron, let, before we get into before we get into 49ers camp, I know you came on the Sirius XM show on Saturday night, or, or was that on Sunday? Was that the Sunday show or the sat? No, the Saturday night show, and just just your. I'm sure a lot of the listeners to this podcast listen to us on Sirius, but in case they aren't Sirius subscribers, just quickly, your general overview from Broncos camp. Well, my first question is actually, how are you so sure that you won't have a third baby on the way this time next year? <laughs> no, snip, 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 snip. It's got to happen. It's not going to... always. These things always seem to heat up around the Senior Bowl or the NFL Combine. I don't even know what the hell's going on with all this, but it's. I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's going to be done after this. I, there's there's no guarantees, of course, but I'm thinking snip, snip, snip. All right, Seahawks training camp. No, uh, not Seahawks. Let's start out with Denver quickly. Was there anything that stood out from that? Oh, Denver. Yeah. Denver, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm on... I'm on Interstate 660 here on the way from Santa Clara towards Oakland. I think this thing takes you out to Sacramento and the signal's going a little in and out here. Uh, so Denver, the it's interesting. I mean, you know, so my main takeaway and what the insiders that we trusted at Denver, their takeaway was that this is going to be a Paxton Lynch, you know, ordeal this year. And... I mean, it's everything we've said since we were out there last year. It all really adds up. You know, I will say this. Paxton Lynch, by all accounts, has cleaned up the footwork and the accuracy issues that were plaguing him coming out of college. So that's a good sign. However, it's his decision-making that's been really spotty. And the Broncos are in an interesting situation because that defense still looks sick. I mean, Akeem Tlaib is still a freak out there, right? And this defense, Von, Von Miller is a superstar. This defense is badass. So, you know, do you want, do you want the Trevor Simeon who's just, he's not going to really cause quite as many mistakes, but he, his upside is absolutely nil. Or you got the young guy who, man, he's got mouth watering upside out there, but he's, and he's cleaned a lot of things up and he's made progress, but he's still going to make a lot of mistakes that could cost you some games and what's going to be a really, really tough division this year. So, it's an interesting situation. We left there, I leave there thinking that this this is going to have to involve Paxton Lynch this season. And, you know, of course, the reports in the recent days have been a little bit to the contrary, that Trevor Simeon has been outperforming Lynch, which is, it's funny how much a few days changes. Because when I was there, 
the, the general agreement was that it had been a fairly even quarterback race with Paxton Lynch slightly pulling ahead within the last couple of days. The day I was there, Lynch certainly had the better practice than Trevor Simeon. And now there's this little bit of revisionist history going on that Simeon's had the better camp and, you know, and it's been close, but he looks like he's going to be the starter. I saw Benjamin Albright come out on Twitter last night basically calling those people out, talking about the media in the tank for their guy and that this is a very, very unclear quarterback situation, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, that's a little bit interesting. I still want nothing to do at all with either receiver in Denver. I mean, the mandate that we – the decree that we sent out last year, that's still in place. That's an executive order. No, none, none of Thomas, those idiots. No Emmanuel None Sanders. of these idiots. Not if you use the cheat sheet. No, sir. In our fantasy leagues this year, the trash man still likes to needle and ask you about guys like Vir- <laughs> Virgil Green, right? Now, we're not testing either of those guys with a 20-foot pull. Still very unclear whether this offensive line is really improved. I mean... At camp, you could tell these guys are trying to convince themselves that off-season free agent signings like Menelik Watson somehow are going to be the answer. Which is just a awful, uh, which is an awful horse to be betting on is the answer. <laughs> to say. Well, it's, a, it's truly a preposterous notion. Yep. And, you know, this is going to be a run-heavy offense in Denver, which is going to be an interesting kind of juxtaposition or comparison I'd like to make to what's going on in San Francisco after seeing their camp practice yesterday. But Denver is going to be a run-heavy offense. It's very clearly C.J. Anderson's backfield heading into the season. Jamal Charles has been held back throughout the off-season program. With this, uh, I think they're taking it slow with his rehab. It's pretty obvious he's not too happy with that. He feels ready. He wants to be the guy. Truthfully speaking, I was back for his first practice at Broncos camp, and I mean, it's pretty obvious he's the most still the most explosive uh, back with the best feet out of everybody on the roster. So, if given due time, I think Jamal Charles is going to certainly earn his work in that offense. I think uh, both of their ADPs offer some value if you want to get off to a fast start. DJ Anderson is in line for a big workload to begin the season. The late-round ADP, I think Jamal Charles is a reasonable flyer that could pay dividends by mid to late season. And certainly, I think, you know, as we've done in the past with DeMarco Murray and Derek Henry and Todd Gurley and Trey Mason and Devontae Freeman and uh, Tevin Coleman, I think this is also a pretty reasonable handcuff situation with C.J. Anderson and Jamal Charles that could uh, really uh, be an asset to keep your, your squad afloat over the duration of the season. So that is what's worth a look uh, in Denver. Okay, and so going for basically the main takeaways from there, the quarterbacks look like shit. They're hot garbage. It's going to be completely up and down. Uh, could have big moments out of Paxton Lynch. Could have moments where he just completely shits the bed. Trevor Simeon, zero upside. We want no part of any receiving weapon there. C.J. Anderson with his current ADP could be a little bit under uh, undervalued. And Jamal Charles is a guy who everybody's absolutely forgotten about that you can get for free currently. 
that Byron thinks might have, you know, a little of that Jamal Charles juice possibly left to sort of squeeze out. So all very interesting points. All right, let's move on. You move next to Seattle. Um, got, got to go to the Flying Fish Market. Got to see Quest Field. Uh, you said just, you know, comparing that to Levi's Stadium in San Francisco, two of the two of the awesomer stadiums that you've got, you've, you've had the opportunity to, to, to visit. Yeah, oh, I mean, these two stadiums are the most magnificent I've seen. And what's interesting is that it's not, they're not, you know, so grand in size like a stadium in Dallas. I mean, Jerry Jones Stadium in Dallas is pretty impressive as well. I'm not going to lie. That thing is a beast. But these are just beautiful, and they show that they do it kind of with architecture and design more than just sheer impressive size. Uh, these fans on the West Coast in San Francisco and Seattle are really, really lucky for the facilities that they have, and uh, it's, it's just a lovely football uh, setting out here. Okay, so you had the interview with CJ ProSize. Uh, I guess let's let's start off with him. I'll drop the interview right here. Byron Lambert, rosterwatch.com, here with Seahawks running back CJ ProSize. CJ, how are you feeling today? Uh, I'm feeling great today. You know, I'm excited to be back out here. Uh, you know, come after the day off. You know, just I'm excited to be back out here with the team. And I had a, for a, a rough first, first couple of days, so I'm you know just like I said, I'm excited to be here. Sorry. Well, you say a rough couple of uh, first days there. What could you expand on that? Um, sorry, I just uh yeah, I mean I had came down with a little uh, stomach bug or something, you know, maybe food poisoning, I think. And it's kind of like, you know, just had me out for the first two days of camp. And, you know, now I'm back out here just ready. I'm happy to be out back with my teammates and competing. Man, that looks, that, that sounds great. You looked excited out there. Tell us about how you're feeling uh, recovering from the injuries from last season. Oh, I'm feeling great. You know, I'm 100%, uh, you know, right now, you know, I'm 100% ready to go. You know, I can do anything, anything they ask me to do. So, you know. That it is what it is, you know. Everything from last season is healed. I uh, went had the off season to take care of my body and you know work on you know getting it prepared for this season, and now I'm ready. Seahawks running back CJ Prosize joining us here live uh, at Seahawks training camp. Uh, CJ, let me ask you, uh, how you guys have one of the best coaching staffs in the league. Uh, through the course of the off season, how what have they told you about how they expect defenses to adjust to to you specifically this year? Uh, I mean, you know, you know, uh, as far as we see, you know, I'm I'm, I'm gonna be a you know big guy uh, coming out the backfield and you know making plays, you know, especially you know in the passing game for us. And so, you know, you know, they, I'm I'm expecting you know to get the best matchup you know, try to get some uh, mismatches, you know, coming out the backfield. And, and that's, that's, that's exactly what we're expecting. You know, I'm expecting, you know, anybody who's, you know, if it's a linebacker, I don't expect them to be able to check me anytime I'm going out in the route. So, uh, you know, that's, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm looking for. You know, I think that's what they're seeing too. Well, let me ask you, uh, going into year two, what, what other things have the coaching staff put on your plate this year heading into your second season? Uh, I mean, you know, for one, you know, they, 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 for one, they told me, you know, make sure, you know, third down, uh, two minute, you know, you know, you lock that down, you know, get that, get that straight because that's, that's what you need to per- perfect and be 100% on that every time. And, you know, that's what, that's, you know, I, I do that, strive to do that every day. And then, you know, also, you know, come out here running the ball and, you know, still working on, you know, you know, my pad level, and, you know, just working on my pad level cuts, uh, I, I, you know, my, my vision, my patience, you know, still working on my running, running the ball too. So, you know, we, we still, you know, they, they just keep adding on, adding on. And so, you know, that's, that's why I'm, 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 I, I love it, and I just, that's been expected, and, and they're expecting a lot of that me. So, you know, I want to come out here and make the plays for us. Well, speaking of two-minute drills and hurry-up offense, I saw out there early in the 11-on-11 session, uh, it looked like you were the first running back out there in the first team. I think it was 10 personnel, four wide receivers, one running back. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, that? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, that's, you know, that's kind of how we do our two-minute. You know, we always have a uh, – I usually start off, start us off in two-minute. And, uh, you know, I, I try to set the tone for the rest of the backs, you know, make sure we you – know, let them, you know, everybody see, you know, make sure we know we know we're doing, everything's on point. How, how is the uh, running back room now that you guys have Eddie Lacy in there? I know you've got Thomas Rawls from returning from last year. Talk to me about the running back room. Talk to me about how you see the playing time shaking out between the guys in that room. Uh, I, mean, for, I mean, right now, we you know, I think, you know, we're, we're just competing, you know, and uh, at this point, I don't think we're anybody's really, I mean, of course, everybody, you know, wants to be the guy, but, you know, I think at this point, we're just, we're just competing as hard as we can so we can, uh, you know, we, we can get those opportunities during the season. So it's a friendly competition and we push each other. And uh, we're making each other better, so that's 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 the whole goal out of this. Because we, for us, you know, it's a, everybody wants to be a guy, but also in the, in the long term, we know that you know we gotta all 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 be competing and be on the ready. So you see this as a backfield where everybody's gonna have to pitch in over the course of the season. Uh, I mean, it, it could be, it could not be. You know, it, I mean, I don't know. I mean, for me, I, I want to be the guy, and I want to be the guy. You know, we go to every play, and so. And if, if that doesn't work out, you know, I, whatever I am doing, I, I'm going to do the best I can at that. So uh, that's what I'm excited for, you know, just whatever whatever happens for the season, that's what I'm excited for. You know, whoever whoever's the guy, I'm going to go and do my job every play. CJ, thank you so much for your time. We wish you the best this season, and uh, we hope that you stay healthy. Thank you so much. All right, so, uh, you know, what did you take away from uh, getting to pull CJ Pro size aside and kind of talking to him? Uh, how do you see the – how do you see the running back core shaking out? Are we just looking at something that's going to be a running back by committee nightmare from week to week? Uh, do you still agree with the sentiment that maybe CJ Prosize is the guy that has the most clearly defined role? And are you comfortable with a guy like Eddie Lacy as your RB3 slash flex option? I do think CJ Prosize has a clearly defined role, the most clearly defined of any running back on the roster. He's very obviously the leader of the two-minute offense. The problem is I don't know how often Seattle is going to be in the two-minute offense. This team is good. This defense is outstanding. The offense is probably the best that we've seen in Seattle, certainly the best that Russell Wilson's had while he's been there. They're going to score points early in games. So he has the most defined role. I think the jury's out on how often that role is actually going to be exercised out on the field. I mean, generally speaking, this is an absolutely complete, full-blown running back by committee, and there's nothing else that you can call it. Um, Eddie Lacy is certainly the bruiser on the team, and ProSize is certainly the two-minute guy on the team, and Thomas Rawls can do all of it, but they can all do all of it kind of Eddie Lacy at the end of one spectrum and CJ Prosite at the other, but they're all very adept and very functional at everything they're being asked to do out there. They're all relatively interchangeable. I mean, this is going to be a hot hand situation. This is going to be depending on who's healthy and who's durable throughout the season. I mean, Thomas Rawls is going to play. He looks good. The fans love him. I think the organization likes him. You know, Eddie Lacy looks pretty good. He looks He's always going to have a sloppy he, body. He looks pretty fat on the. He looked pretty fat on the on the videos that you put out on on Twitter at Roster Watch. I, you know, I thought in person he actually looked. I'm, I think he's lost some weight. Is that the camera adding ten pounds? <laughs> you know, I you know I yeah, I'm sure he'd like to think so. <laughs> and uh, you know, and and here's the thing: they've got Chris Carson. This young cat that's blowing up training camp in Seattle, go look him up. He's a talk of Seattle camp. He's a young running back that looks 
very good. I mean, really good. Like a guy that if he told me that everybody else was hurt and Chris Carson was getting 20 touches, I'd say, hey, you know, all right, I'll, I'll probably roll him out. And then they've got Marcel Reese, who can do everything and is taking part in everything. Yeah, he's the fullback, but he can do everything the running backs can do. So And, and, and know, they still have Alex Collins. They're going to have to get rid of one of these guys. Chris Chris Carson yeah, from Chris Carson from Oklahoma yeah. State, who who actually had a pretty good I mean, combine. They're going to be they're going to they're going to have to think long and hard about finding a way to keep five running backs on the roster, and that could be really difficult to do. So, no, and and, know, and as I, I talked about, anything to, the running back situation is all about value. I mean, Eddie Lacy is simply just being drafted too high for me. I mean, to me, it's going to be if if I'm going to get any of that running game, it's going to be whoever I can draft the latest. If that is at all close, then I probably roll with ProSize just because of the more defined role. I'm in PPR. I think ProSize is clearly the guy that you want out of this backfield. Um, you know, I think more than anything, this is. You know, we still got questions about the offensive line. I mean, we certainly, certainly do. The run, they look, they look functional in the run game. But it still looks like a Seattle a of, offensive line. If you look at our offensive line rankings at Roster Watch, they're horrible. It's a horrible I mean, group. I'm going to be in Dallas and at the Cowboys camp in a few days in Oxnard. And, hell, I'm going to the Raiders camp right now. Those are the two of the best offensive lines in the league. I mean, I can just tell you, remembering what it looked like to look at the Cowboys offensive line camp last year, I mean, it's just a totally different-looking animal than going out and looking at these 49ers and Seahawks. And, and Broncos offensive lines, pretty pretty pitiful. Um, but Russell Wilson is clearly still getting a lot of designed runs and still clearly willing to scramble a lot, which is great for fantasy. And I think the team also believes that kind of offset the holes in the pass protection, you know. And uh, so the, to me, the takeaway is that this is a this offense is freaking loaded. Russell Wilson, uh, the word is uh, from the local beat writers, is he lost about 10 or 15 pounds coming to camp. He looks lean. He looks quick. He looks really sharp. We've always said he's got some true breeze to him. He's bombing. But Baldwin is, you know, still his guy. Very, very clearly his guy. You know, Baldwin can't separate, but he's a dog out there. And he's definitely Wilson's guy. But this is quickly turning into a Jimmy Graham offense. It's starting to look awfully a lot like 2012 at St. Camp. It's starting to look awfully like a lot like a Jimmy Graham offense. This guy has been feasting in training camp. He lived in the end zone both days I was there at camp. I mean, Jimmy Graham is, is probably is the most – he's a skilled player I'm most interested in owning. I think it could be – at the very least, it's going to be a good season. It could be a monster for Jimmy Graham. And then when you boil it all down, what kind of reverse engineer it, all of that adds up to, I mean, this should be Russell Wilson's best year. I mean, it really should be. This is his best offense. I mean, behind Baldwin and Graham, it's a kind of cannibalization that's going on, but it's really, really uh, talented wide receivers. And when I say cannibalization, I mean in terms of fantasy production. You're talking about Tyler Lockett. Paul Richardson, all these kind of uh, tertiary satellite Jermaine targets. Kurs, yeah, Jermaine Kurs, Jermaine Kurs, Darbo, out of, the rookie out of Michigan. All these guys 
really, really good. Omar Adarbo, who the trash man loved from the Senior Bowl and who we didn't necessarily love quite as much, but I went back and watched some of his (laughs) – I got a little sick watching some of his uh, Michigan tape after you told me he was balling out there. And go watch him versus Ohio State. And that was against the Gary and Conleys of the world. That was against the the, um, the against all the great safeties that they've had there over the course of the last couple of years. And Amara Darbo always had big games against those guys. Man, I hate to admit it because the trash man is so disgusting. He's he's just a piece of human trash. Well, you know his his accomplished parents are certainly disappointed in the way that his <laughs> life has unfolded. Oh God, they must be. His dad's like a. Um, his dad's like a surgeon, you know. He's like, at least I think it. You know, he he does have like. Uh, I think he's got a bunch of brothers and sisters, though, and I think at least a few of them are pr- are pretty accomplished. A man that is very mal suited for the competitive work environment. <laughs> very very uh, much so. Where oh Amar, anyways, Amara Darbo. So I hate to admit it, but Amara Darbo looked pretty sick at the Oxford camp. Man, he was beating guys on the outside without physicaling them. He was even able to separate a little bit. He was making nice catches. That guy's going to make the team. And I mean, you know, I don't think he's really that fantasy relevant, but he's going to be a see a guy. He's going to be a guy that you, when you're watching the Oxford games over the next few years, it's going to be. You know, getting in there like a Jermaine Curse and getting his handful of touchdowns every year. All right, so I think that that basically does it. For is there anything else from Seahawks camp? I, I mean, we basically touched on it. A big year, Russell Wilson poised for a big year. Jimmy Graham looking, you know, healthy, spry, slimmer. I mean, the photos that you took for our for our stock photography at rosterwatch.com. Um, you know, I was going through and editing some of those to use it for our featured image on some of our you know upcoming articles, and that guy looks skinnier than I've ever seen him. Um, you, you told me that everybody up there, you snooped around, got to talking to some players and some people around the team, some media. They say he wasn't fully healthy last year. Now he's fully healthy. I just think with that mid sixth round ADP, that's something where, you know, we're not really into drafting, you know, tight ends early this year and usually never down for drafting tight ends early. But, you know, if he starts getting around that mid sixth round or creeping in t- towards the seventh in PPR drafts, I've adjusted the PPR version of the cheat sheet to where we'll, we'll be getting a, a little bit of exposure to to Jimmy Graham because that just seems like excellent value a round and a half later than, than a Greg Olson. Yeah, I, want, I definitely want a little bit of Jimmy Graham this year. All right, so from Seattle, you were there for a couple of days, just had to wake up. Was that this morning or yesterday morning when you got, got swindled with some kind of 3.30 a.m. wake up? Yesterday morning. A.m. rise and shine yesterday morning for Roster Watch Nation, so I could hit the 5:43 a.m. flight from Seattle to San Francisco, get an Uber directly to Santa Clara, and run with my hair on fire into 49ers training camp practice. As I will be arriving in Napa at 11 a.m. exactly for 11 a.m. practice this morning. It'll be another hair on fire situation. Roster Watch, you see what we do for you. If you're not a member at rosterwatch.com, please go and support these maniacal efforts. We're trying to keep you in the know with everything that you need to know, not only through these podcasts, but with all the intelligence that we've gathered throughout the entire offseason, through all of our tools, through all of our private proprietary analytics. With a pro membership at rosterwatch.com, you can support us in that way. It costs less than a cheap cup of coffee. All right, so let's get into um, uh, San Francisco. Wait, let me, let me, one, one thing real quick. Okay. Um, 
It's just as you mentioned, the difference in the way that Jimmy Graham looked in his photos. And I, I find that interesting, too, because when we've got some of Betty Lacey, we've got some of Carlos Hyde, all guys, it's interesting to see how their bodies are changing in the NFL. But one I have to ask you about, man, is I couldn't believe when you posted a recent story, a recent article involving David Johnson, and you pulled our photo from the NFL combine of David Johnson from what, three, I guess that was three, four years ago, I guess three years ago, I think. Yeah. And, you know, and we had seen David Johnson, we had interviewed David Johnson at the Senior Bowl that year, just a few weeks prior to that photo at the combine. So I just couldn't believe when you posted that photo, comparing it to the photo I got with him just a few weeks ago in Dallas at the National the inaugural National Fantasy Football Convention where we interviewed uh, Arizona Cardinals beastly running back David Johnson live on air for Roster Watch Station for the listeners of SiriusXM. And we broke the news that he's, uh, he's, he's, he's expecting upwards of 25 to even hopefully 30 touches a game this year. And I just couldn't believe, I mean, when you, that photo, when I saw the photo that, that Bruce took uh, of, uh, of Johnson and I, dude, he looked enormous in the yeah. change in his body Yeah, from the picture we had at the NFL Combine. It didn't even look like the same guy. I mean, I was just at LSU Pro Day. I mean, I think that, and I'm still right next to Leonard Fournette. I think David Johnson looks bigger than Leonard Fournette. Dude, he is rippling with muscles on top of muscles. I mean, look, I know he probably has 0% body fat, but I'm definitely, I mean, I'm probably 210 in that picture standing next to him. He's got to weigh at least 230. I, it it wouldn't surprise me one bit. Muscle. I don't know what his, I, I have no idea what his current weight is on the on the Cardinals roster, what they have him listed as. I can probably look it up. Uh, what Do you, do you, um, do you want to move on though? Because you mentioned Carlos Hyde. Like, let's get back to the 49ers. That was one of the. Uh, it looks like he's listed on the current uh, depth chart for the Cardinals as 225 pounds, 6'1, 225. So who knows? That could just be from his uh, combine stuff. It could be from. I don't know how they do that at the NFL level. If they, you know, if they remeasure him every year or what. Well, Carlos Hyde looks really lean. Very sharp, very quick. Carlos Hyde himself looks really, really good, man. Uh, he's much like C.J. Anderson. It looks like he's dialed up and dialed in, locked in, locked up for lion's share of carries to begin the season. I mean, he is the RB1 here. Uh, you know. So, what, so what's, all this shit, what's all this shit been? Why has it been so much information coming out of there that they don't like him, that they drafted Joe Williams, that they, you know, has this stuff been to try and motivate Carlos Hyde? I mean, has it been a, has it been a Carlos Hyde motivation thing? Has it been a deal wherever, yes, he, he has sometimes had a hard time staying in the best shape. Maybe sometimes you'd heard rumors and whispers that maybe he wasn't the hardest worker and stuff. Could this all have been stuff wherever they just wanted to kind of see what he had and see how he responded? I mean, I just think it's a reminder that these situations are fluid and you can never, ever overreact to one piece of it. 
were on to something at the NFL Combine, or we sensed that something wasn't quite right in the responses that we were getting about Carlos Hyde. And then within the ensuing months, the subsequent months after that, it seemed like all the local beat writers out here in San Francisco and everybody else started to come up with other information, supporting, you know, evidence and or similar, you know, feelings. And that, you know, snowballed in terms of perception. Joe Williams looks pretty slick out here. He does look the part. Uh, by most accounts, he's been at a fairly impressive camp for a rookie. You're seeing Capri Bibbs actually get quite a bit of action out here. Like I said, Tim Hightower's sideline. Uh, so, you know, it does feel like as the season progresses, there will be uh, a bit of a rotation and there could be some shit, you know, Shanahan again that we've grown accustomed to in the past. But, you know, we have seen a situation with the Shanahan in Washington where they let Alfred Morris be the guy for that year or two. Uh, I don't think it's totally out of the cards. And right now, I mean, the way the training camp has unfolded and the way that all the practice reps are unfolding, I mean, it's really, really clear that Carlos Hyde is a lead dog. So, you know, the, the concerns are that the belief out here is that the offensive guards are complete trash. Totally abysmal. Re, pretty reasonable tackle play with Staley and Trenton, the monster Trenton Brown. Uh, the center play is considered adequate to above average out here, but they say the guards are complete garbage. Now, we're going to that Shanahan zone scheme. Alex would probably be best fit to talk about how how that can either be overcome or can be a major issue in that scheme. I know it was an issue for Chip Kelly in Philadelphia two years ago with DeMarco Murray. He tried to roll with two absolute trash guards sandwiched between good tackles and a decent center. It didn't work out for him. So I think there's a little bit of concern, and I'm getting a little bit uncomfortable with Carlos Hyde's ADP starting to creep towards third round. Third round's probably too rich for me. At, at least the top half of the third round certainly will be. As long as he's got a fourth round ADP or below, I think there's some allure. I think there's some appeal. He looks good. Uh, he's catching the ball better than he's ever caught the ball in camp. He, he, he looks like he, he looks poised for the best year of his career as far as what he's going to put out on the field. Um, you know, but there's obviously durability questions, questions about the offense, questions about the line, questions about the team, questions about a long-term timeshare as the season uh, progresses. Well, I, I'm just, I've pulled up our, will you ask how I feel like in an, in an inside zone scheme and how in an outside zone stretch scheme, uh, how those guards can screw you up. And the fact of the matter is that there's a lot of times where those guys, if there's a one technique, a, a, a one shade, uh, or even worse, if it's a guy head up on the guard in a two where those guys are going to have to have a solo base assignment, you know, to, to, to get those guys working on their zone angles, any penetration upfield against that guy's play side shoulder is going to completely ruin the flow of the zone play. So those guys can be really important. There's a lot of times where you can cover up a bad guard, uh, especially to the play side, because generally that center and that guard can get hip to hip. That center can help that guard get leverage uh, on the one technique and, and help get him upfield before the center can can uh, can work second level. But the minute that they the, the minute that the defense identifies 
that it's going to be an issue in a solo base assignment against, especially against an outside zone stretch scheme, which you know we're going to see. They're going to they're going to get that guy. They're going to thunder him over to a two technique, and it's going to be trouble. And I just pulled up our uh, 2017 offensive line unit rankings available to all our pro members at rosterwatch.com just to see who these guards were. It looks like the San Francisco 49ers are 28th ranked offensive line. Like Byron said, uh, a decent left tackle and Joe Staley. We actually have Trenton Brown ranked horribly uh, as far as what's happening at the right tackle. But these two, um, these two guards, Zane Beatles at the left guard and Josh Garnett at the right guard, uh, we know that Josh Garnett sucks. I believe we saw him at the Josh senior. Garnett, Josh Garnett is actually injured as well. Oh, okay, so moment. then you have you then you probably have Eric Eric Pierce, who's even worse, who's the swing tackle guy slash the right guard. So anyway, both of these guys, if, if it's somebody worse than Josh Garnett who's in there right now, that is absolutely no good because Zane Beatles and Josh Garnett are two of our lowest ranked offensive guards in the entire National Football League. So th- you know that is an issue. Well, well, Cody Whitehair is on track to be an all-pro in Chicago. <laughs> well, you got to – We'll still never understand that move by the 49ers. You got to listen uh, – Hey, anyways. they don't – the 49ers never, never, ever listen to their roster watch, man. <laughs> All right, so let's let, let's talk about um, – is is the quarterback – I mean, is, is, is Brian Hoyer still a little squirt gun arm, PP armed little uh, PP slinger? Is he going to get anything done in the I, passing I, game? Hoyer's – arm is actually maybe a little stronger than I might have expected. I mean, it's pretty obvious he's the clear-cut. I mean, he's a clear-cut lead, you know, leader of the offense, quarterback, you know, starting quarterback. I don't even think it's really up for debate. Okay, so wh- what does that mean for the passing game? Do you, like, any... Did you get to see Pierre Garçon well, at all? How did he look? Um, well, I, I actually think it's really fascinating because you can comp- compare it to Denver and look at the difference to what's going on. So, you know, both have crappy offensive lines. Both have a pretty lackluster, you know, passing game situation. And Denver is choosing to go run heavy. They're choosing to go run heavy. And some of that may have to do with the the idea that they want to develop Paxton Lynch, whereas the 49ers understand that Brian Hoyer is going to be the starter, a limited starter, but is, you know, limited talently, or talented, you know, limited uh, talent-wise. But they know that he's not going to really be their solution long-term. So they're not really trying to develop him. They're just trying to play Shanahan's offense. So the 49ers, in a pretty similar situation, you got Hey, C.J. Anderson there, you got Carlos Hyde here. You got the crappy quarterback there. You got the crappy quarterback here. You got the crappy O-line there. You got the crappy O-line here. But this this passing offense is very clearly a willing passing offense. This is an offense that's going to throw the ball. They 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 obviously want to be a balanced offense, you know, first and foremost, which I think everybody can agree is a – Typical hallmark of a Shanahan offense. They do want to be balanced, but they're they are definitely willing to throw it, and are going to have no issues throwing the football. Uh, you watch their formations; they have plenty of three wide out, sometimes four wide out formations. Uh, so, and you got to expect, you know, the 49ers are probably going to be playing from behind quite often. So, I do believe they're going to be throwing the football. 
Carlos Hyde will be involved catching it uh, out of the backfield. Like I said, he looks really good catching the ball. The reports are this is the best he's looked in his career catching the football for, for the beat riders out there. But as far as the receivers go, I mean, Pierre Garçon is the clear number one wide receiver on this offense. He's going to have his usual role at where he kind of does everything. He are they moving him around? Yeah. Are they moving him around? Like, is he in the slot? Is he outside? Like, did you notice, like, was he being moved around a lot as far as his alignment? Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to be moved around. Definitely going to move, be, be moved around some. Uh, he's he's the guy that can kind of do it all that knows Shanahan's offense. And then, you know, really this one of the standouts of training camp has been former Longhorn, a guy we're very familiar with, and a former Olympic Olympian uh, speedster Marquise Goodwin, who was kind of derailed by injuries in Buffalo, you know, after having a good college career. And I think there were questions about, is he really an NFL player? Is, does he have the body to be an NFL player? Well, I mean, he, he's one of the standouts of uh, 49ers training camp. He's very clearly the starting number two wide receiver. He's going to have that speedster role on the outside. He's going to he's going to run the post. He's going to take some <clears throat> some of those explosive plays uh, across the middle as well. You know, but he's definitely going to be pressing uh, the corners deep. On the outside, so I actually think it's a real trash man, but I do think Pierre Garçon is a pretty reasonable pickup this year in your fantasy leagues. Marquise Goodwin in deep leagues late is uh, a reasonable flyer, Um, and we have zero interest in the 49ers tight end situation who even the local observers have not been able to untangle or figure out. It is a complete Rubik's Cube with Vance McDonald, Garrett Selleck, Blake Bell. George and, Kittle, uh, the rookie. the rookie, George Kittle, all getting their fair snare, uh, share of snaps and all kinds of different formations and all, all looking pretty good. Hey, Alex, man, I got a boogie here at a Raiders camp. Let me ask you I one more. It's been real, man. Let me ask you one more question. Uh, as, as far as, did you notice anything about Jeremy Curley? I got to ask a trash man question. Oh, yeah. The number, uh, the number three and four competition's really interesting. It uh, looks like a competition between Aldrick Robinson, who's maybe running slightly ahead of Jeremy Curley, who had a really good practice yesterday. Curley was, has been injured and out of camp a little bit, and that's, uh, that's maybe why Robinson is potentially slightly ahead of him. I think that's going to be a close competition. And then our boy, the, the jitterbug, quicker than a hiccup from the senior bowl, Dave Gettleman's boy, Wide receiver Trent Taylor is—he's doing what he does out there, man. He is—he is looks just like the Senior Bowl. He's open everywhere, making the tough catches everywhere, taking the hits, standing right back up. Uh, so that guy—I don't know if he's in a mix for the three or the four, just because Robinson and Curly look pretty well suited for that. But man, he's playing so well that it's hard to imagine Trent Taylor not carving out a role for himself. Uh, in the passing offense as well, it looks like he'll more than likely be returning punt. All right, that is Byron Lambert, co-founder at Roster Watch. He is hustling his ass off for Roster Watch Nation, headed in right now to Oakland Raiders Camp. Byron, we'll get you on at some point uh, after you get done taking in your thoughts about what the hell's going on there with the Oakland Raiders, Beast Mode, Derek Carr, Amari Cooper, Michael Crabtree, etc. 
All right. Thank you so much. I'll catch you later, Alex. Word, brother. The Roster Watch Podcast is brought to you by Roster Watch Nation, our pro community at rosterwatch.com, who, for less than a cheap cup of coffee, uh, support us in all of our maniacal efforts, uh, support us in the creation of all of our tools, uh, all of our travels, everything that we do to make sure that you win fantasy championships. The 2017 Roster Watch Cheat Sheet is available now at rosterwatch.com for our pro members. The revolutionary cheat sheet that changed fantasy football forever is back only at rosterwatch.com. Winning fantasy players don't use outdated magazines or expensive draft software that's impossible to navigate. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet is a magic sheet of paper. All you have to do is follow the three simple rules. That's it. Three simple rules. Guys, it couldn't be easier. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet, an expert quality draft, is guaranteed. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet, it's mystical, it's magical, it's mythical. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet, it's only at rosterwatch.com.